The silver mines of the Comstock Lode put Virginia City on the map, literally. By 1874, the greatest concentration of silver deposits on the planet had brought 25,000 residents to Virginia City. The economic boom created by the mining industry opened the door for other business opportunities. Chief among them was the saloon. It is estimated that Virginia City had 115 bars and saloons during its heyday. This included legendary establishments such as the Washoe Club, the Bucket of Blood, and the Delta. But for longtime locals, no bar stirs up memories quite like the Crystal Bar. Original owner Grant Israel opened the Crystal in 1871. The bar derived its name from the spectacular French chandeliers which adorned the ceiling. The second owner, Con Ahern, purchased the bar in the 1880s and then sold it to William H. Marks in 1909. The crystal would remain in the Marks family until its closing in 1998. The crystal operated at several locations in Virginia City before settling at the corner of Taylor and C Street in 1930. The distinctive Western-style mint julep was the signature drink of the crystal, a recipe concocted by Mr. Marks himself. During Prohibition, the crystal became a speakeasy, but also added an ice cream parlor. Whether this was to increase revenue or provide the cover of a legitimate business is anyone's guess. However, the crystal continued to serve ice cream even after the 18th Amendment was repealed. In 1955, Mr. Mark's son, Bill, took over operation of the crystal. Bill and his wife, Margaret, were high school sweethearts at Virginia City High School and huge supporters of the basketball program. Bill and Margaret would always sponsor a team dinner at the end of the year. However, the main course was determined by the team's performance that season. Bill Marks would tell the players, steak or stew, it's up to you. Translation, win a state title and dine on steak. Fall short and settle for stew. The Crystal had a distinct sweet aroma inside and was a destination for locals of all ages. Young people would come for the ice cream and to be enamored by the large mystery clock behind the bar, begging Mr. Marks to spin the hands of the clock that would miraculously always land on the correct time. The Crystal was the post-game gathering spot where the town folks would drink and discuss basketball. In fact, the Crystal was an in-game haven as well, with some people taking the short walk from the high school gym to the Crystal for an adult refreshment at halftime. Bill Marks passed away in 1994 and then Margaret in 1998. In 2000, the Marks family sold the building to the Virginia City Tourism Authority. The bar area is now a gift shop where you can purchase souvenirs at the very same bar where Bill Marks poured his legendary mint juleps. This is Pride of the Comstock, an oral history of Virginia City basketball.
1958, the Virginia City Muckers captured a regional championship and advanced to the semifinals of the B-League Nevada State Basketball Tournament. Most of the squad would be returning for the 1959 season, and expectations were high. So it came as quite a surprise when head coach Hugh Gallagher Sr. stepped down and named Frank Jordan as his replacement. Pard Gallagher recalls his father's decision. Frank Jordan, he knew Frank Jordan uh, for quite a while. Frank Jordan came from, I think, Santa Clara. But his half-brother was also in Reno, who was Ray Gonzalez. And so he knew Ray. Uh, Ray and Bill Marks and him used to play golf, and then Frank was around. And he knew Frank was, was, was under a pretty good coach in Santa Clara, who learned from one. And said, you know, this would be great. And he, he, he wanted to go out with a team that was ready. He didn't want to just get rid of it. And he had, and they were studs. They were all studs. And uh, so, consequently, um, Frank took over and they got, they got themselves the first state champion. Three seniors from the 1959 team share their recollections of the coaching change from Hugh Gallagher to Frank Jordan. We begin with Leroy Goodman. Two, two fields of thought. My thought, you know, gee, why is Mr. Gallagher giving up basketball? But I think it was because of, you know, we were just growing a little bit and more and more things happening. And then he had an opportunity to pick. He needed a teacher, of course, Frank Jordan being a teacher. And he uh, Frank was willing to coach basketball. And uh, we, we, we didn't change much, but we went from a pass, release, pick and go type of team to a running team. Jordan installed the fast break into us, you know, and we could get the ball out with guys like Clint Andreessen and Bill Pollard and Ron, you know, get that thing out to Padere or Dufresne and get her going and stuff. And even in a, a small gym like Virginia City was not a small gym compared to a lot of others, but we could run and get the ball out and stuff, and other teams just weren't used to that at that time. Guard Pete Padere. Frank Frank was a very he was a very good coach, a uh, little bit different, uh, more disciplined I believe. But but he was a good coach. He taught us a lot of things that uh, Hugh Gallagher had not taught us up to that point. But Hugh was fundamental. He was the best coach in the world. Yeah. Hugh Gallagher was, and Frank just took it a little bit further than that. Ron Gallagher, nephew of Hugh Gallagher Senior. Frank came in, and he got to have the picture taken in 59 with the state championship at was Huey's team. The only thing, Huey was a very conservative coach, zone defense, by God, your spots here, et cetera, et cetera. Frank was not a basketball coach by nature, and, of course, I'm biased, but we had a very good batch of athletes up here anywhere we I believe we could have competed, but we competed up here. And the only thing that Frank really did was let us run. And we could run. And that opened everything up where Huey would, was much more programmed uh, because it was the same team. We, it was the same group. And, and Huey just decided it was time to step aside. Another important change that season was the return of senior guard Pete Pradere. Pradere had grown up in the basketball culture of Virginia City, but family circumstances forced him to miss his junior season. 
I moved to San Francisco. My mom moved down when my dad passed away. Uh, we had to move down there. My sister lived, she was married and lived down there. So we moved close to them and that helped her for a year. And then she wanted to move back. She didn't like it there. And that's why I came back. And I missed that year of basketball too, which was uh, tough on me. The 1959 season began with great optimism as the Muckers traveled to South Tahoe for the opening game of the season. Unfortunately for the Muckers, a late steal and layup by South Tahoe star Lou Nagy gave the Vikings a 35-34 victory. Even 64 years later, Ron Gallagher still bristles about the loss. Not uh, totally clearly, except we never should have lost it. And one of the things was we were transitioning from Huey's programmed offense, always played good defense, but programmed offense, to getting into Frank's run, fast break, throw that ball, go. And um, we didn't do that the first game. For Pete Air, the memory of that loss is still vivid. I, I did not play in that game. I remember, I remember it well. I, I was anxious to get into the game, but uh, Frank Jordan was not that familiar with me. He did not know I'd played with all of these guys all the way up from the seventh grade, sixth grade. And I think the townspeople let him know about it afterwards. <laughs> Leroy Goodman also recalls Pradier being on the bench that evening. <laughs> we had uh, Pete Pradier had moved to San Francisco our junior year. In fact, I'm kind of convinced that if Pete had been around our junior year, we'd have won the state championship. Pete was very talented, left-handed. In the first game we went up South Tau, of course, Jordan was just learning about the team himself. And Al Larson started and stuff. And Pete, I don't even know if Pete got in the game. I think he did toward the end. And uh, we got beat one point. It was a heartbreaker and stuff. And uh, Jordan at that time realized Pradier was the key to one of the things just because of his left-handedness, and Pete was very quick. He and Bobby Dufresne both were quick on their feet and on their on their hands and mentally. Pete really thought it, thought the game through very well. That would be the last time Pete Bredere was left on the bench, and the only loss Virginia City would suffer in 1959. Pete would join his fellow seniors, Bobby Dufresne, Clint Andreessen, and Ron Gallagher in the starting lineup along with junior Bill Pollard, for the remainder of the season. The Muckers would not be seriously challenged again, winning each of the remaining games by double digits. Virginia City won the next 20 games by an average margin of victory of 29 points, culminating with a 54-35 victory over Eureka in the state championship game. The first Nevada state title for Virginia City boys basketball. Clint Andreessen led the way for the Muckers with 16 points. Ron Gallagher netted 14 points in the title game and shared his recollections about that night at the old Virginia City Street Gym at UNR. I'll tell you what I re remember, which is kind of odd, is, oh, wow. And at that point in time, we actually dressed down, not in the locker room, we dressed in a classroom down on the bottom floor. Now, that's an interesting thing to remember, isn't it? And I can remember that night thinking, this is the last time I'm going to do this. We went up, and 
uh, I can't remember the name. They had a marvelous tall ball player for Eureka. And uh, in fact, I've been out in Eureka and I, he's recognized out there. And, and, uh, but he was going to make the difference. And with all due respect, wherever he is, he didn't. Uh, we, we really did overpower them. And we were the best B-League team in the state. There was no question about that. We proved that. And uh, I can remember standing down, getting the trophy um, on the floor of uh, the university gym. Still think about that if I go in there. I haven't been in a long time, but, you know, that was the last hurrah for the old high school. But for us, that first state championship was so long in coming. From the Jake Lawler days to Huey being so close for so long. And, and really, for, for no, not even being able to field a, 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 a team in the 70s. But we always had, well, we'll one of a better term, we'll call it youth bas- basketball because Merv Gallagher, uh, Huey, of course, my dad, we always had something in the fall, in the winter, for the kids. And we learned how to do it right. No, don't turn that ball over. No, do this. Um, so we were well-schooled in basketball fundamentals, but also in, in just playing the game correctly, and it paid off finally. Leroy Goodman remembers that evening well. And it just we just felt like we could not lose. And we had that mentality that we're going to win this thing. We went out and got on them very early, and they had a, they had a good ball player, Roger Theriot, I believe his name was. He, he was a good basketball player, Eureka and stuff. But with with our size and our, and Pradier and Dufresne and Larson, too, Al would come off the bench and spell those guys. And then uh, we had a freshman named Tom Andreessen, who was really a good ball player. I mean, probably, uh, I'll just say it right here. Tom, as far as I'm concerned, was the best basketball player ever come out of Virginia City High School mm-hmm. overall. He, he was just that talented, good, good ball player. But yet, through, as the game progressed, it became more and more apparent we were going to win. I mean, there just wasn't any way Eureka could, could catch up to us. This was at the old gym at the University of Nevada. And uh, I remember after the game, we all, we all were standing around there, and then we it was time to – we got our trophies and stuff and our little – I still have my little silver basketball that says be, be champions, state champions. And uh, we walked off in this – the crowd, Virginia City crowd, and the Eureka crowd, everybody else stood up and clapped for us as we walked off to the locker room. I always remember that. Wow. Before we leave 1959 behind, Ron Gallagher shares some memories about his teammates. They would have been good athletes anywhere in any sport. Bobby could have run for three days. Dufresne had a little Maidu Indian, as I recall, and he had stamina that we didn't understand <laughs> and didn't have to work too hard at it either you know it's just always could just go 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 pete outstanding athlete that we had gone to school with for years and then they were as good a guards as as you would have and then i i don't imagine it's published anywhere but we went down when we were seniors 
to scrimmage Reno High School. And um, I think Len Trout was the coach at the time. And we were whipping them. And Reno was very, um, if old Reno players are listening, I don't mean this badly, but they were just uh, dismissive of what the hell is this Virginia City team coming down. I remember we lined up uh, for the jump ball uh, for the scrimmage, and there was a big football player there. I think his name was Craig Morrison, tough, good ball player, great football player. And I'm standing there, and I just glance at him, and the next thing I know, boom, he pops me with an elbow. Why? We don't, that's not what we do. So um, anyway, we, um, we scrimmaged them, and uh, I can't remember his name now, but he went on to be a city councilman and a uh, very successful track guy, I think, in, in Reno. <clears throat> so uh, there had been a cheap shot on, I think it was Bobby, and uh, we didn't like to start it, but we did like to finish it. And so that fella went down for a layup, and uh, he didn't get up for a while. And that's when they decided, and we were up multiple points. It was probably time. This was not a good idea. So that's a very fond memory in the Reno High gym, which, of course, was brand new at the time. Um, Buddy uh, Barkley, there, there were good athletes playing at, 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 at that time. And... Uh, so our big guys, if you will, uh, and, and for that time, remember you're going back a half a century plus, uh, Clint Andreessen, marvelous athlete, big guy, tall, and, and a good athlete in, in, in addition. And uh, Clint was probably at that time 6'2", 6'3". In, in that day, I was 6'1". Six one and a half, maybe, and then we had Bill Pollard, uh, who was probably six two, a little shorter than Clinton. So, from a front line standpoint, we were big, 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 and um, as I say, good athletes had played together for years. We knew where the other person was, talked to each other, and uh, we just had a great fifty nine after that damn first game. Leroy Goodman offers his perspective on Ron Gallagher, the player. Sure, Ron, Ron, of course, was All-State, I think, junior and senior years, both uh, good good ball player. And there again, because of his dad, more than anything, I think, he understood the game and how to play it and what to do. And we always, we always said Ron had the best pair of hips in the state because when it went to rebounding and stuff, he'd get the ball and the other guy would be three feet away from him. <laughs> Just like, boom. He, but he was good. Ron was Ron was, is a good guy. I, I talk to him every now and then. He's down in Reno and stuff. But he and, and it seemed like Ron was a go-to guy. If you needed a basket, we really needed one, which wasn't very often. The ball went to Ron. Yeah. And he, he could score. He was a good shooter, very good shooter. The first championship was now in hand. The class of 1959 was a special group, but the departure of seven seniors left significant holes for Coach Frank Jordan to fill. The 1960 team had just three players with varsity basketball experience, Bill Pollard, Tom Andreessen, and Tom Del Carlo. 
However, with the three returnees carrying the scoring load, the young muckers opened the season with a 54-31 victory at Stewart Indian School and never looked back. Virginia City rolled through the regular season with a 15-0 record, the closest game being an eight-point win over Lovelock. At the regional tournament at UNR, the muckers made quick work of Smith Valley in the semifinals, 67-33, and then captured a third consecutive regional title by defeating Tonopah, 51-25. The state tournament was held in Wells, a small town in northeast Nevada located over 300 miles from either Reno or Las Vegas. The Muckers opened with the host school, the Wells Leopards, and it was a battle for most of the evening before free throws down the stretch sealed the victory for Virginia City, 59-50. It was the Muckers' 38th consecutive win and the only thing standing in the way of a second straight state championship was Battle Mountain High School. In the title game, Virginia City got out to a quick eight-point lead in the first quarter, but the Longhorns rallied to take a 24-23 lead into halftime. Baskets were a premium in the second half, with Virginia City taking a 30-29 lead early in the fourth quarter. That would be the final lead of the night for the Muckers. Battle Mountain took control of the game with superior backcourt play and came away with a 40-34 victory. The disappointment of the loss and the end of the winning streak was only compounded by the departure of head coach Frank Jordan at the end of the school year. Frank was a talented amateur golfer and made the decision to relocate to Hawaii. In his two seasons, Jordan had gone 38-2, losing both his first game and his final game. Principal Hugh Gallagher had to find a new head basketball coach, and he would get an assist from his old friend, Jake Lawler. In 1960, Lawler was the head coach at UNR, and one of his seniors, Lyle Damon, was looking for an opportunity to break into coaching. I was going to be a basketball coach, and I got out of the university in 1960, and there were three High school jobs open, uh, Winnemucca, Wattel, which was a new school, and Virginia City. And, uh, of course, I applied at my home school, Winnemucca, and never even got an interview. I applied at Wattel, never got an interview. So I was a bit uh, discouraged with the whole situation, and I wasn't even going to contact Virginia City. But my coach... Uh, Jake Lawler called me in, and Jake had worked in Virginia City. That's where I started, and he worked for Hugh Gallagher. Uh, but Jake calls me in, and he says, I want you to go talk to Mr. Gallagher in Virginia City. I said, no, 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 Jake, I'm done with this stuff. And Jake said, uh, get in your effing car and go see Mr. Gallagher. So I got in my effing car and went out and saw Mr. Gallagher. And he offered me the job and $5,200 a year. As the Muckers prepared for the 1961 season, there was a new sheriff in town, and his name was Lyle Damon. Things were about to change, and the history books were about to be rewritten. Coming up on Episode 3 of Pride of the Comstock, an oral history of Virginia City basketball. When you left that basketball court, win or lose, 
those people are going to respect you and know they are in a battle. A lot of passion, very innovative coach, uh, just kind of like uh, uh, was the state-of-the-art coach at the time. Yeah, well, he had a, he had an ankle, and uh, I believe it was in his own term, he hurt his ankle, and we had a week to get ready for the state tournament, and we were very worried. You know, it was, everybody's crying in the stands and whatever. I always said, you know, it is what it is. Pride of the Comstock is a production of Virginia City High School. Produced and edited by Cash Mitchell. Audio engineer, Chance Smith. Assistant editor, Luke Branson. Logo design by Caitlin Lutz, Jocelyn Markert, Jocelyn Kirkness, and Cole Perdere. Research by McKinley Matheny, J.J. Alviar, Brooklyn Peralt, Reese Inman, Alana Hunt, and Lily Vaughn. I am your host, Patrick Beckwith.